Well, hi everybody, I'm Donnie Abbott, and it's great to be with you uh, this evening. Just a couple of quick announcements. The first one is that there will be no Wednesday night community on uh, March 16th, because that is spring break, so we will take the week off. And also very excited to share with you that beginning this weekend, we're starting our Easter lead-up series in the main auditorium, and... Uh, We've been preparing a long time for this series, and I think it's going to be, I don't think, I know it's going to be really, really good, very meaningful. So we hope that you'll join us on the weekend. Uh, you'll notice that Pastor Brent is not here this evening, and a lot of you are aware that Pastor Brent's mom, Julie, has been in failing health for several years, and about a month or so ago, she was placed in hospice, and I'm sad to report that early this morning at 4.30 a.m., uh, Julie passed from this life into the next, and uh, I don't want to take anything away from Pastor Brent and uh, what he might want to share with you, uh, but I do, uh, and he did text me about two hours ago, and he said just to tell, tell everyone that he'll be back next week. Um, but I do want to take a moment to just pause and pray for Brent, uh, his dad, Alan, and the rest of the Cunningham family. So let's go ahead and pray together. Father, it is with heavy hearts that we come before you um, to just uh, acknowledge the sadness that's in all of our hearts in regards to... Uh, Julie's passing, we are thankful, God, that she was a follower of yours and uh, that she's now residing uh, with you. So we praise you so much for that, but we pray for the Cunningham family over the days and weeks and months ahead and even years ahead as they have to uh, go along in their lives without uh, mom and grandma and wife in their lives. Uh, we pray for your uh, comfort for your peace to be with each and every one of them, that you would be in the planning as they uh, plan to uh, just honor Julie at a service. Um, be in the details with that, God. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, in Pastor Brent's absence tonight, we are going to deviate from this unseen Realm series, and this has been quite an amazing series, has it not? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm sure if you're like me, man, uh, just about every week I've been learning uh, something new about Scripture or something new about how God has worked in our world and continues to work in our world. And of course, learning more about this unseen realm, the spiritual world that is very active all around us, right? I mean, just wow, just wow. And I, I can't thank God enough for, for Brent and uh, just the wisdom and uh, his desire for learning uh, more about God's word so he can share it with the rest of us. And I, I've told you guys this many times before, that every time that I speak, I always make uh, time to spend an hour or so with Brent and just kind of run, 
run by him. Okay, this is what I got cooking for this message. And I always walk away from our time together enriched and uh, feeling more confident about whatever topic I'm speaking on. With that said, I'm going to be speaking on something tonight where I didn't have the liberty to speak with Brent. So God knows what's going to happen. But anyway, I think we'll all get through it, okay? Um, uh, but like I said, Brent will be returning uh, next week. And of course, uh, today is also the first day of Lent. Um, and so those of you that participate in Lent, I hope that you have a very meaningful and reflective Lenten season. Well, let me start off by reading a few passages of Scripture to you. This one comes from Dr. Luke in two, chapter 2, verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Paul writes to the church uh, in Coloss, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God, with gratitude in your hearts. And you can see that the common word in both of those passages is wisdom. So I thought that uh, we could take a look this evening at the word wisdom and try to do three things with it. The first is figure out what it is. Secondly, how do we get wisdom? And then finally, what do we do once we have it? Right? That sounds, that sounds like a good plan. Wisdom is one of those things that we never seem to have enough of, right? We never seem to have enough wisdom in our lives. And it's kind of like these three guys who uh, were walking down a street one day. Um, a true story here. They're walking down a street and they found a bottle lying on the side of the road. They picked it up and rubbed it and a genie popped out. True story. A genie popped out, and the genie said, I will grant each of you one wish. So the first man, he thought about it. He thought, okay, this is a pretty good idea. He said, I desire to be 20 times smarter. The genie, she nodded her head and said, your wish is granted. You're now 20 times smarter. Well, the next guy, he, he sees all this going on. He thinks, wow, that's a pretty good deal. Um, I, I wish to be 30 times smarter. So the genie nods her head, says, your wish is granted. You're now 30 times smarter. Well, not wanting to be outdone by his buddies, the third man wished that he was twice as smart as the other two. So the genie nodded and turned that man into a woman. <laughs> Did you like that one, Marianne? Huh? Two thumbs up there. I, I'm telling you, a true story, right? Well, we all know many wise women in our lives, but what exactly is wisdom? The word wisdom appears 218 times throughout the scriptures. And I don't know about you, but the wisdom for me has always been a bit of a hard thing for me to kind of get my head around. It's sort of been uh, kind of elusive, if you will. I've always taken wisdom to be this sort of abstract quality or character trait 
uh, you know, something that you only attain through years of knowledge and experience. And while that might be partially true, I think that there is more to wisdom than just knowledge and experience. A great place, of course, for us to learn more about wisdom is in the book of Proverbs, as the main subject of Proverbs is wisdom. And as you read through the Proverbs, it sounds like wisdom is a woman. From the very first chapter of Proverbs right through chapter 9, wisdom is portrayed in many different ways. It's portrayed as a woman of dazzling attractiveness and virtue. Uh, Wisdom is a woman who teaches in the marketplace of the town. In chapter 4, a woman who is romantically embraced. Chapter 7, wisdom is a woman who can be addressed as my sister. In chapter 8, wisdom is a woman who utters a long speech, commending herself to the public. And then in chapter 9, wisdom is a woman who builds a house and invites people to an alluring banquet. So as I read through Proverbs, I start to think and ask myself, why the female personification of wisdom? In part, it's because in Hebrew, wisdom is a grammatically feminine noun. And we also see that wisdom is present from the very beginning of Scripture. The first sentence in our Bibles, it reads, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we, we uh, go to John chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Hebrew word for in the beginning is barishit. John is reiterating what we read in Genesis 1.1. Now, we all know that the Word, or logos, is the person of Jesus Christ. So from the very beginning of time, If you want to find wisdom, you will always find it and only find it in the person of Jesus Christ. But what often happens in our search for wisdom is that we look for it in the wrong places, kind of like the three guys in the story I'd shared. And this, this of course, it's not a new thing. The first time that we see wisdom pop up in the scriptures is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 where Eve, after talking to the serpent, says this. She saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining what? Gaining wisdom. So she took some and she ate it. You remember the country song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places? Remember that song? That's what was happening with Eve. She had the right desire to seek wisdom. She was just looking for it in all the wrong places. Eve was hanging out in the wrong place, talking with the wrong creature. And what we learned from her mistake is pretty obvious. That one way to not find wisdom is from the devil himself. Eve had forgotten the warning that God had given her and Adam, that they could eat of any tree in the garden. But what did God say? 
You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Adam and Eve had forgotten or simply ignored what God had already told them. But they didn't heed his warning, did they? And it's here that we see what true wisdom is. As the writer of Job tells us, but where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. The sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed out in silver. It cannot be bought with the gold of Ophir, with precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Neither gold nor crystal can compare with it, nor can it be had for jewels of gold. Coral and jasper are not worthy of mention. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. The topaz of Cush cannot compare with it. It cannot be bought with pure gold. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds in the sky. Destruction and death say, only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way of it, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. So if you're taking any kind of notes this evening, the first note for you to write down is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, this fear of the Lord is a real fear for sure, but not in the sense of cowering and being afraid. Instead, it's more of being in awe and having reverence for God and for his word. Having a healthy fear of the Lord honors God as he truly is. The holy, just, all-powerful, all-knowing creator of all. I mentioned earlier that Proverbs is a book of wisdom, but the book of Job also offers another wonderful descriptor of wisdom. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was formed long ages ago, at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely 
the foundations of the deep when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. The passage says that wisdom was the first of the Lord's works, which goes back to, of course, what we learned in reading Genesis 1-1, that at the very beginning of time, there was wisdom. Another practical definition of wisdom comes from one of my all-time favorite pastors, Dr. Charles Stanley, and he says this, Wisdom is seeing things from God's viewpoint and responding to his viewpoint according to the holy word of God. The scriptures that we hold dear is the wisdom of God. If we want to know more about wisdom, if we want to know more about God, then we have to read the scriptures. And as we read the scriptures, we will start to see things from God's viewpoint. Many times people think that wisdom is simply knowledge, but that can't be the case. I mean, there are a lot of really smart people in the world who have knowledge, but they're not necessarily wise, right? Wisdom instead is the right use of that knowledge. Wisdom is God's word that we can use for navigating our life. Think of it, uh, think of God's word as sort of an air traffic control tower, and the wisdom of it helps to guide our lives. It helps us to navigate marriage and parenting, how to live life as a single person, how to handle our finances understand the importance of missions, and a plethora of other topics are found within the wisdom of the scriptures. So, how do we get wisdom? In 2015, there was a ruby and diamond ring that was sold at auction. The 25-carat sunrise ruby and diamond ring sold for over $30 million dollars. And to this day, it's still the most expensive ruby ever sold. But as valuable as that ruby and any ruby is, the Bible tells us that wisdom is far better and more valuable. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 11 says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. No earthly treasure can compare to wisdom because nothing else offers the same protection, benefits, and blessings that wisdom does. Just as that ruby at one point was shaped and formed in rock with heat and pressure over a period of time, in order for that ruby to be found, somebody had to search for it. Finding a precious ruby requires digging through the rocks and the dirt. 
All of this digging requires a sweat and a great amount of time. A ruby hunter has to put in a great deal of effort to find that ruby. And it's the same thing with wisdom. You have to want it. You have to seek it. The Roman statesman Seneca says that no man was ever wise by chance. I like that. Another passage from Proverbs says, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Of course, because God is wisdom, any and all wisdom can only come from him. The 19th century pastor Charles Spurgeon, he says that though men should explore the deep places of the earth with all the diligence of miners seeking gold and silver, though they should exert all their mental force as miners use all their muscular vigor, and though they should employ all the machinery within their reach, as men do who pierce through the rocks in search of precious treasure, yet it is not within the range of human labor and skill to attain unto wisdom. That can only be found by another and a higher method. It must come to us by revelation from God, for we cannot find it by our own efforts. So what have we learned so far? Well, we've learned that true wisdom is having the fear of the Lord. We've learned how to get wisdom is that we have to seek it and desire it, but ultimately realize that wisdom comes from the Lord. So what do we do once we've found wisdom. Well, we see an example of what this looks like with King Solomon, who shortly after becoming king, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment, in administering justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. 
Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Solomon was asking for wisdom. He was asking for wisdom to help him in his decision-making because the decisions that he made greatly affected people. So the lesson learned from this, what do we do with wisdom once we found it? We are to use wisdom to help others. But knowing how to do that can be a little tricky. There was a man who feared that his wife wasn't hearing as well as she used to, and he thought that she might be needing a hearing aid. And not quite sure how to approach her, he called the family doctor to discuss the problem with the doctor, and the doctor told him, okay, there, I got a, a simple informal test uh, for you to, to perform to kind of give me a better idea about your wife's hearing loss. Here's what you do, the doctor said. Stand about 40 feet away from her, and in a normal conversational uh, voice, see if she hears you. And, uh, and if she doesn't, you know, go to 30 feet away. And if she still doesn't hear you, go to 20 and then 10 and so forth. Well, that evening, the wife was in the kitchen cooking dinner and the husband, Ralph, he was in the living room and he said to himself, okay, this is, this is a perfect opportunity. I'm about 40 feet away from her. Uh, let's see what happens. So in a normal voice, he just simply said, honey, what's for dinner? No response. So he moved closer to the kitchen. He's about 30, 30 feet away. And, and he said, honey, what's for dinner? Still nothing. So he moves uh, uh, closer into the kitchen, about 20 feet away. And again, he says, honey, what's for dinner? Again, no response. So he walks up to the refrigerator, which is about 10 feet away from his wife. And again, he tries it and he says, honey, what's for dinner? No response. So he gets right up behind her, right next to her, and says, Honey, what's for dinner? Ralph, for the fifth time, I said it, it's chicken. <laughs> That's for you, John Cook. <laughs> Unlike Ralph, one of the first indicators of a wise person is that they are a good listener. Wise people hear other people's stories before telling their own. They tend to think and process things before they talk. And when they finally do speak, the words that they share are rich and deeply meaningful. Another indicator of a wise person is that they usually have a posture of humility. There's a quote that I recently came across that says, out of your brokenness, you are best able to serve broken people. Just realizing that you are broken is a sure sign of wisdom. Only the arrogant deny their own brokenness by being vulnerable and sharing 
your own shortcomings, you are presenting a posture that you don't have it all together, but that you are able to enter into your own story and the story of others with humility. Wisdom is having a proper fear of who God is. If you want wisdom, you have to seek it, but understand that true wisdom only comes from God. And finally, once you acquire wisdom, use all the wisdom you have to impact the lives of others.